Hello guys, this is another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host, Kendall Camp. And today we have a great episode for you guys coming. Um, I brought on two of my good friends to talk about some of the recent events that have transpired in America. We discussed their experiences dealing with racism and police brutality, thoughts on defunding the police, and NBA players' different thoughts on activism. Now bear with us, we definitely had some different issues due to the Zoom call, but don't worry, most of everything went fine, so this episode should be great. Um, Just to give a disclaimer, we do not have all the answers. Um, We're still young people ourselves and trying to educate ourselves every day. Um, And please respect our opinions, whether you agree or disagree. Also, make sure, please, please follow us on Instagram at Privileged Black Kids Podcast. Um, all of that info will be in the link in the description. Um, honestly, thank you guys so much for all the support. And here's another episode of Privileged Black Kids. Hello, guys. This is Kendall Camp with another episode of Privileged Black Kids. And today I have on two special guests. Um, we're going to talk about some very tough topics today. As far as really what's been going on, honestly, as far as within the state of America, um, police brutality, racism, a lot has really been going on. But, you know, for two of my guests today, um, you know, my guy, Luther Haynes, we've known each other for a minute. Honestly, you got me through high school, like my senior year when I would vent about different things. Um, Mariah, I met you a few months ago, and you definitely have been a very good friend and somebody that I can lean on. But I'm kind of wondering from both of you guys, and Mariah, you can kind of start off first. You know, what are your thoughts as far as what has happened or transpired over the last few weeks? Honestly, my thoughts have been kind of just scattered, but I mean, obviously they're centered on everything, such as, you know, also the Black Lives Matter movement springing up more back into action. And we're actually, you know, more, it's, it's a middle of a revolution, like everything's back up. You know, the last time I remember protesting and like experiencing this and really paying attention was back in like 2015, 2016, when like all those cases came up. I think even earlier, maybe I may be mistaken, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, you know. So just now with it hitting again, it's it's bringing a lot of hard feelings, you know, and just my thoughts about it all is just what's going to happen next and where we're going to get like further on in life and with the rest of the coming months and time, you know, it's, it's, there's no end point on this part. So yeah, but that's my general thoughts that come in line on it. I'm wondering kind of, if you had, was there a moment where it really hit? Was it, was it a person? Was it either something that you either just online? Like what is something that's happened over the last few weeks that kind of really hit you in, in a different, different way? Just seeing what was out, you know, coming out online on Twitter and the news just all the stories, that's what really hit me. Nothing personal, but just, I remember like, once it really started with George Floyd, you know, and everybody started talking about it. And you know, my own city, San Jose, like everybody was going out and protesting. And that was crazy, because I just remember sitting in my house and I'm like, oh wow, like it's really happening. Like there's really people downtown right now and I felt like I needed to go. But just where I felt in that moment and just all of it just, overwhelming and just you don't know how to feel you know you're just kind of stuck you kind of freeze but once it really hits you and you realize it you know you go out there and you do what you got to do yeah so So Luther kind of what are your thoughts as far as what has happened over the last few weeks um just like Mariah my thoughts have been very scattered and I haven't really I feel like I'm still processing it as we talk um it's been hard. Like, you know, I wasn't able to eat for days at a time. I wasn't able to like drink water. Like 
I was really tripping for a minute there because I just feel like it wasn't just one person, but it's just like th historically this has been going on for so long. But now that we're in the digital like age, I feel like that's why everyone's like paying attention now. And like, I don't know, it's just, it's just like, it's, it's hard for me to like, even like really articulate how I feel on the subject. Cause it's just so complex in my opinion, from my view and my perspective. Yeah. But how are you feeling about everything? Honestly, myself, I've gone very up and down to very sporadic. I had a couple of days where I cried. I had a couple of days where I was super upset. I had days where I just turned off everything and just focused on, my, on myself. Um, I think it's a very, it's a very weird time. And when I mean by that, you know, everything that's being posted, even my thoughts, the way I think about things change every day. Like I've, some people tend to stick to one type of thing. I change my viewpoints on things every day because I'm continuing to learn and kind of change my perspectives. As far as kind of when it started out or just kind of throughout the full thing, I've really tried to do a better job of like if I'm posting on social media, like thinking it through and not going immediately when I see something. Because um, there's just so much out there and we'll kind of get into it later, but just I've never been in a position to where not just the world, you feel like all of America is at least a majority is fighting for something but also social media being a place where you can't get away from anything. Like it's the right. same, it's, it's, everywhere. it's a conversation of the same thing, which I've never seen before. Um, but kind of playing into social media and even ourselves, you know, growing up as, as black people, you know, what were some of the first experiences you guys had dealing with race and police brutality? Uh, if it's okay, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, my whole family has really been affected by police and like the um you know systemic racism so i feel like for me at a young age i already knew like what, what time it was and what's really going on but as i got older i feel like i'd say like in kindergarten middle school is when i started experiencing it myself and just like the way that people talk to me and like things like you know little racial microaggressions and stuff like that um but i think that's what really like I don't, know, I don't even know how to put that into like. What were some of those microaggressions that you kind of that that you kind of saw like at an early age? Just like, oh, you're black. You're not. You're not able to like. You're not as smart as everyone else because of your skin color, pretty much stuff like that. Or, or do all black people put chicken grease in their hair? I've heard crazy stuff growing up. Like it's really been it's been a wild ride, without a doubt. Wow. So kind of Mariah, like what have your experiences been been like that dealing with some of the same stuff? Well, personally, like I haven't experienced like a heavy amount of police brutality or like witnessed my family go through it. I mean, I guess I could say the first time I did encounter um, an experience or like a family member of mine with not I wouldn't say police brutality, but it could have very escalated if you know, my other family member wasn't there to protect him and interfere and tell the police, you know, that they're having a mental breakdown and they're not, they're not like a, a they're not just some criminal, you know, like don't, don't just get, don't go crazy and start raising your guns now. Like they're, ha they're going through something like they're having a breakdown. It's not like they're a criminal. That was the time that I experienced that. You know, and that really hit me because they do, they, they see, they see us, they see black people as, you know, a threat and they're always very intimidated and nervous by us because we are strong people and they come off, or that comes off as 
like, you know, just something negative towards others. And it's not easy to take in, you know, and personally just growing up, you know, I did have a lot of encounters with like different factors of racism within the workplace, you know, of places I work, school, microaggressions, microaggressions, of course, that's always something, but it's just been hard. And, you know, of course, growing up in San Jose, not a big, you know, black population. So that plays a factor when you're mainly the only black person in your friend groups or at your place of work, all that stuff is factored in. With kind of with both of you guys being from the Bay Area and you know the Bay being known as more of a diverse place and has you know tried to do better with inclusion over a certain amount of years and of course you know the Black Panther movement started in Oakland, California. You know, did you guys expect something different when this whole kind of outbreak happened, or did you did you know this is going to happen as far as from your respective cities? Like, what was your thought process of when all this was playing out within your own cities? Personally, I thought. I was surprised when I went out to protest and I saw the amount of people that I did because I feel like a lot of people in other communities, other like minorities think like, oh, it's not a problem that's affecting me. So I'm not going to work towards, you know, fixing this issue and finding a solution. So I feel like for me, I was definitely in shock, at least with San Jose, I can say. Yeah. Yeah, touching on that, that was kind of, that's why it kind of really, like, I was taken back. Like, I couldn't really believe it at first that that's what was happening. Like, that weekend when everything was, like, just, it burst into action. I didn't expect San Jose to protest. Because when I protested years ago, I went to San Francisco. There was no protest, really, in San Jose. And that really had me, like, whoa. And the amount of people, all different types of people that came out really shows you, like, you think you think of it differently because you realize there's more allies than we expect and me personally like I feel like it's kind of hard to believe that we have genuinely or genuine allies amongst us because it's just like all the times I see of just other you know races of people non-black like people like they just they say one thing but they do the other but seeing that it really wants it really makes me like you know take a step back and just really try to put trust into others now and, you know, just try to feel like, you know, there's people out here that really want to help us and just try to relax and not be so anxious about things, but it's hard, you know, it's a hard time. Yeah. Definitely. Kendall, I got a question for you though. Yeah. How did you feel about the reaction, you know, out towards Riverbank, Modesto area? Like, how did you feel when they started to rally and actually try to like, you know, have their little protests and stuff? So, I'm just gonna keep it like a hundred on this podcast because that's how I am, and I don't. Want to, bro. Um, at first, so when I heard about the protests in Modesto, um, I was happy that it was happening. Um, I went one because I wanted to be there because you know I want to support. And I actually, it, in a weird way, and I don't know if this is just me. I um, I think it, like the whole time because you know people go to protests and they take all these pictures and do you have signs and you know, talk a lot. I think I took one picture and like during the whole walk, I was just kind of quiet. Like I almost like I want to observe everything that was going on. Um, to me, it was kind of, it was honestly surreal because we both know being from the Valley, there's a lot of, you know, history of, of you know, racism, racism, people being ignorant. So it was very different. But I also knew, and this is to compare some cities in the Central Valley for, my, for people who may not know, I knew Modesto was going to be fine because in the area we were in, 
I knew it wasn't a very place. So like an instance, like a place maybe like um, Ripon, which is, you know, known as very white or, you know, very conservative and Modesto, the area that we were in, I assumed it would be pretty liberal and young and people fighting for justice. And that's what it was. To shift gears, when I heard about the protest that was going to happen in Oakdale, I told my friend like the day before, like, yeah, I'm not going as a, as a black man. I'm not going to protest in Oakdale. I don't feel safe. And lo and behold, the next day, we see a black man getting getting attacked. And, you know, that's just to say, you know, I, I knew it because I just know, I'm, I know my air, I know my cities, but we both know that at least Oakdale is known as a very conservative- Stay out of Oakdale, stay out of Oakdale. White, white, white racist place. <laughs> um, so those are kind of my thoughts. I think, I'm, at, at the end of the day, honestly, I've got to a point to where I'm kind of just letting people do then. Like, I'm not gonna tell you, there's so many different ways. Like, it's not just protesting. You can sign petitions. You can tweet. You can you can start reading more. Drop or drop a blog. Um, giving money. There's just so many different things you can do, and I don't want to just kind of pigeonhole people to what they did during a protest because some people are genuine, right. and then some people kind of want to use it for their social media clout. And you just oh, there's people out there that are doing that, and you just don't know. So me. I personally just went to more, just really observe and kind of see what was going on. Um, but it's definitely a good question because it was, there was a lot of thoughts going in my head. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering with you guys, you know, Mariah was kind of talking about trust and I'm wondering your guys' thoughts on people talking about defunding the police and how this is going to go. You know, what were kind of the first thoughts that came to, that came to your mind when people started saying, let's defund the police, if you can speak on that, Luther. So for me, when I first heard the words defund the police, I understood to a degree like what they meant by it. Because if you look at the, any police budget, they have so much money pouring into their departments. And I just, it confuses me because I'm like, what do they need all of that money for? Like, I don't know if you guys seen on Twitter recently, but like LAPD had a Tesla police car that they were trying to, you know, unveil and like actually start putting out there. And I'm like, that's so unnecessary. Like, why don't you guys put this money into the homeless or like, you know, like, minor minorities and communities and stuff like you guys don't care about stuff like that so for me when i heard defund the police i did get where they were coming from but as i did my research you know more in depth i kind of like I'm, I'm on board with it now i can honestly say that 100 percent mm. mariah what do you think i'm trying to think i was trying to think back earlier about it because me and my friends actually had a really good like conversation about this beforehand but our like the my initial thought on it is I do believe that it does need to happen because with and it's not even just like different cities and it's crazy that there's even some city states that have even more funding than others and that's just like that's crazy like there that's the truth there's other things that we need to focus on and put our funding into education especially paying workers better everything other than that but now the police are here over here getting extreme amount of funding and the, the fact that bothers me is they're getting this funding and all this attention and support but they're not doing what they need to be doing they're not doing their job properly so it's like what's the point it's like a waste and our taxpayers are paying their hard-earned money for what and they're just out here like like literally like harassing and just antagonizing the communities like literally that's the police are ruining the communities and if this is what they're going to keep doing then i guess we really have to go full power at it 
that's all I can really think. But my what I'm trying to touch on, I don't want to. I'm not. I don't want to be wrong, but I'm forgetting about the conversation. But me and my friends were like, because our our thoughts were too. What if that really? But it's obviously like the, they're not gonna fully like just cut the please. Like they're not gonna do that. They won't ever do that. I don't. If they did, that would be some. That would be something crazy. Because I don't see how they would ever just cut the police. But defunding them, yes, like that could be a step towards change. But we were like, because my friend was like, well, if we defund the police, are we gonna have the police? But I don't think people think about that when they bring that initial thought up. Like it's like, realistically, we're never gonna lose them. Because who else is gonna do their job after that? It's like it's gonna go either higher up or what. And we don't want that because we don't need police militarizing our communities and it's literally like we have military just all over we don't need that so yeah our initial or my initial thought was on it yeah it's definitely it should be a conversation as far as how we either budget this differently or allocate the money or tax dollars where it goes i honestly and this is just kind of maybe it's a bad thought but i have this worry that they'll defund the police in black in black communities but they won't do it in white communities like we're going to take away less from minority places and still keep the white people i guess safe or whatnot um and maybe that's just a bad thought or maybe i'm not trusting the government but there's something about like i want i think we all agree they should defund the police somewhat like expenses should be allocated in different places but i definitely when people ask me it's like I don't even have to know the knowledge, everything about expenses and how things work. Like right. it's, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a very weird thing. I do think there's certain things that need to be in place to when, you know, people that have, you know, mental health issues or homeless, you know, not antagonizing them. We're not terrorizing them. You know, there should be somebody else who take care of them, not a cop who doesn't even have the knowledge or right. necessarily patience to, to deal with that. And, we can argue all day if that's right or wrong, but there should be somebody else in place to take care exactly. of it. No, yeah, and that's what I was thinking. If that's going to be the, if that's what we're actually going to start pushing for, then I think, like, you know, like, we need to start demanding, like, others, like, people to step up and try to help out more, try to get other services to do their job properly, if that's what, you know, they're supposed to do as well, in a way, contribute to the community. Because other than that 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 could be, that is a good point and it could backfire on us in that way but at the same time it's like how much were they even helping before when we have them in those communities like i think about it but that's why it's it's hard because it seems like at this point we only can rely on ourselves like we can't rely on authorities to help us my only fear that i have when it comes to giving social workers and other psychologists and stuff like these positions to help people I don't know if you guys know, but like those systems are corrupt within themselves. They neglect people every day, every year. So my only fear is like, yeah, you can defund the police and like put the budget elsewhere, but are but are these other sectors gonna be even more corrupt after the fact? I think that's a fear that I have inside myself. Just seeing like, you know, Gabriel Fernandez who passed away in uh LA, like that that to me that was so crazy. And it's just like there's there's a lot of that that goes on in those sectors that people don't really think about or take into consideration like do you have to do reforming there or defund there and just try to restructure it but i don't know yeah no that's that's definitely a great point you know talking about i think we can all agree there's a lot of inequality in a lot of different sectors in america whether that's 
we're talking about within, you know, healthcare workers, you could talk about people that help out people that are dealing with mental issues. You could talk about law, finance, you know, sports, you can go on and on about different things that you wish there was more diversity. Um, and like you said, that's like, that's a really tough question to answer how they would best, how, how they would best, you know, put people in place into what they would do. Um, because you could have people who have those jobs, but they don't treat minorities the way they should be, or they won't even understand what's going on. Um, you know, I, I think definitely <laughs> as a, being a black person in America, I love myself, but sometimes you deal with people that are very ignorant or just don't know what they're talking about. Like I had a time, um, this was actually back at, in high school and I was speaking to some of my, uh, I was speaking to some of my, of my uh, teachers and I was saying it's, it really sucks like being like one of the only three or four black kids in the whole school and being a young one at that and being a superintendent's son, like this place, Riverbank, I had some cool experiences, but let's be honest, like it was 85, 88 percent Hispanic just I was I was a minority I didn't have really anybody to relate to right. and some of the white teachers said well oh like you know I'm a minority at this school and you know I you know I kind of feel your pain and I was like whoa 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 like first of all there's multiple white teachers at this school two you're a grown adult so you can deal with this a lot better <laughs> than I can and you have authority in your classrooms and you're gonna say we have the same type of experiences, like that's totally different. And um, you know, certain things like that, I just I just wish the people that are leading us or you know, building up our generations have the knowledge of actually what's going on because it is real annoying trying to be the spokesperson for everything that happens in the black community. Right. Yeah, that's true. So it gets tiring, like it definitely does. Like I hate. Like growing up out there in the valley, like I used to hate it all the time because each time there was a race issue or anything, it's like everybody in your class turns to you or if, like another example is like obviously you guys have, have experienced it when like when slavery comes up, everyone turns and looks at you like that just get like it wears down on you a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like it gets it gets old quick. Yeah. With both of you guys kind of, you know, shifting from, you know, you guys growing up in the Bay Area and then moving to Atlanta. You know, what are some of the differences that you noticed or what things you think changed? Yeah. <laughs> right, it seems yeah. like you have something to say. No, I'm trying to think um, how much, like, it changed. I mean... <sighs> that's, that's a, honestly, that's a tough question because yeah, um, I was like, only there for, like, a few months, you know, and I, was, I, really get, I didn't really get the full feel for the differences and, like, the similarities yet. At least that's how I feel. Yeah, so I can't really. I mean, I guess you could say, like the differences of just you know being from different states, you know, geographically and stuff. You're just like, okay, like yeah, we're all from the United States, but like, you know, Cali, you got other people in New York. It's everywhere. York? So yep. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just get a little taste of everybody that's different and black. <laughs> you're just like, all right, yeah. but that's really in like you know the South and the West Coast. But since you asked that question, you've been at Morehouse for a minute now. So how do you feel yes. about the differences between where being home versus out there? Me personally, uh, I love Atlanta, Georgia. I love the people. I love just, and you know this, like Luther, I, I've been talking to you this about since like, what, 2017? So I, would, yeah. I, I wanted to, I want something different for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this even plays too with, with cops. It's just something different about going to an institution to where 
people look like you, people that look like you have the same goals and aspirations, and they just want to be the best at whatever field they want to go into. It's motivating. And also on that, just to have, you know, police or cops who look like you that you can literally kind of walk up to and just talk and have a conversation, you know, like that's something I do not get in Northern California. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Northern California, I guess like, yeah, like I like the weather here better because it's hot up in Atlanta and I do not like that humidity. Um, as far as in California too, you know, being in Northern California, specifically Central Valley, the ignorance I've had to deal with was very, it was very taxing and got annoying. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like Atlanta is a place that you really have to go to and be for, for a while to really just feel it and just have an, just to understand. Um, I think I just, when I came, when I came back home, I think I was just a lot more confident in my abilities and knowing what I could do because I had other people who looked like me who were doing great things. Like I kind of, I took all my barriers away of what I couldn't do. And I just think that's a great experience for anybody if you know you're ever seeking that out. Yeah. Um, but kind of, you know, just kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, we all are on social media. We all got Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat accounts. And, you know, it's been a lot as far as debates going on with a lot of different things. And we don't have to get into every single one. But what are some of your thoughts as far as what has played out on social media these last few weeks? And what things have you dealt with yourself as far as interactions you have with people on social media? Honestly, I recently have been, I mean, I, I appreciate it because it, there's a lot of information and sources out there to like get educated on and it like, you know, educate yourself more on the Black Lives Matter movement, what's going on in our communities, you know, what is being like, what are people doing? How are they advocating for protests and whatnot? And, but I personally think like with social media, sometimes I can have no filter and I kind of think of how it can make others feel, but at the same time, I'm at a point where it's like, I've been uncomfortable for the longest regarding this. So just for you to acknowledge it and feel uncomfortable for just a moment, that's the least that people can do. Because right now, black people are very vulnerable and they feel very, at least I can speak for myself, I feel weak yet strong, but I feel defeated yet hopeful like I I don't know it's just a lot but I know I'm very I'm just emotional I'm just I'm angry I'm tired of being asleep like this so for the me to have to take all this in especially now but it's always feelings of this that drag along within life of just being like like you know being black being biracial and having to deal with this I, I don't know it's just a lot so I want people to acknowledge it because it's like you you guys you guys feed off our culture. Like you love black culture. You you have black friends. There's black people you know. Like it. I don't. I don't get it. People should be aware of what's going on within their communities and within the world. So social media. It's kind of hard for me when I see people not engaging in it. But for the most part, when I see people are engaged, I'm like, I'm glad. You know, at least people are aware. But I feel like more people rather shun it out. There's even people that are like taking breaks. I had to take at least two break, like two days of a break from it, but I don't, I don't want to do that because I don't want to miss out on anything, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a lot. I'm like, Ugh. yeah. I think for me, for the social media aspect, it showed a lot of people who are I'm friends with or have just have you know went to school with, and it shows me how ignorant people truly are. 
Like I had an interaction a couple couple days ago, actually, I think, or not, probably like a week or two ago. And this girl had the nerve to say that um, white privilege doesn't exist, but it's only it's only made by people who hate white people, who like it's a made up construct or something. And I'm like, how is that even a possibility? Like, how do you not see it yourself? And then, mind you, she had a co- her cousin post under the same post, and her cousin was like, "Yeah, I'm a half breed," and blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Hold up, pause." your addiction already tells me what I need to know because calling yourself a half-breed is racist within itself. Exactly. Little things like that just like I don't know just really rubs me the wrong way but I'm glad like what Mariah said like yes we do need to have more education and like sign petitions and be more educated like there's a lot of resources out there but I feel like a lot of people aren't using those resources. I feel like they're just okay this is another day okay here they come back on Twitter uh eventually it'll pass over like they're not taking it seriously which i think they should be but you know people are going to do what they want to do yeah i definitely and i'm and to be completely honest this is now probably like my fourth or fifth podcast talking about this topic and i have a lot of my mind and things that keep going back and forth and social media has been like one of my main focuses just because we're on it all the time it's always in our face it's never stopping like I said, it's never, it, there's never been a time to when I wake up and I go on social media and I go on for five seconds and I get mad, I just delete it. And it ruins my day. It's like, why, like, why am I on here? I do think it's so weird because, you know, and this kind of is kind of kind of tied to more somebody else that we're going to talk about. But as far as social media and celebrities speaking out, because um, on one hand, I'm not the person to tell you what you need to do with your life or how you should, you know, show show how you support support our movement. If I was in that position personally, I would do it. But also, too, I'm kind of starting to realize, I thought of this with my friends, that there are people in high power who don't even have social media accounts. And you don't even know the power that they have in America to when they, do, they don't do things. Um, to, give, to give an example, um, I was on Instagram the other day and Luther, you know how I love Lamborghinis. Like I just, I like those cars so much. <laughs> and I see somebody that I know post, my friend just got a Lamborghini. I'm just like, I wanna see who this person is. So I, I, I see the name, I go on Instagram, nothing. I'm like, all right, he doesn't have an Instagram account. Okay, cool. I go on LinkedIn and I find him. And he said, and he was like this, I'm not gonna say the company, but he was like a managing director of a very big financial institution. And then I saw his age, I saw what he was doing, and I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. This guy in his mid thirties got probably a $200,000 Lambo, probably makes around one to 1.2 million. And he doesn't even have an Instagram account. And he works in one of the biggest financial institutions in the world and has a say where money is allocated and where capital goes. But we're not gonna get on because he doesn't have a social media account. Meanwhile, we have influencers who have 60 to 70K who could have a decent following, but there's already somebody above or somebody else that has a say. And I'm kind of wondering from you guys, have you guys, has it been discussion among your peers as far as what celebrities should do as far as with their platforms on social media or TV shows or whatnot? I feel Person. like, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, my, my first thought of that is because the other night, like when I was having dinner with my parents, I was trying to explain to my mom, like, how there's a lot of people that have all this power and money. And, you know, 
she just thinks that with all this power and money, they, they're just they're just decent people amongst the earth. And it's like, no, these people are crooked people. How could you, I mean, yes, okay, we, we need facts, I get it, we need sources, but there's evidence and things that get swept under the rug and when someone speaks on it, it's only out for a little bit and then you don't have access to it anymore. Why is it so suspect? It's like, they have all this power but regarding that, when they do, even when they do have these platforms and this money, I feel like it's really sad that we don't see a lot of celebrities stepping up because it doesn't take that much to really put their foot down and make a change. They have the money, they have the voice and the platform. They have more than us that all can, like, we have more voice than them, but they can literally just say a few things and get it in action and everybody will listen to them because they have more power than us, but to use their voice to a fuller advantage than us unfortunately because they have that but they don't use it to their and it's just it's just ridiculous because we're over here asking them to and when they acknowledge it they're like oh yeah i did or they won't say anything at all i just think it's ridiculous that they they, they even have this amount of power and they don't yeah, use just, it for the best just to piggyback off of what kendall said he, like when he said um there's always somebody at the top like there's some always someone you know, in a higher position. I feel like it kind of ties into that because celebrities, they don't use their platforms and they, they might donate money, but on the low, but they don't use their platform, I feel, because they're going to lose it on brand deals. People are going to pull out of, you know, deals that they previously had, you know, um, had made. So I feel like that's why they don't, that's why a lot of them don't speak up from what I've noticed. I mean, I noticed um, Jackie Ayanna, if you guys know who she is, she's like a big uh, beauty guru on Twitter and she has a YouTube, all that. But she she was calling it out. She was like, yeah, like, y'all need to stop supporting all these brands who don't give a fuck about you at the end of the day because it's just, like it's real. And I feel like that's why a lot of celebrities are just mute and silent because they don't want to lose money. That's what it really comes down to. Like, they're so it's it's about themselves and not about for the greater good, pretty much. That's how I that's what I think. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I think, you know, celebrity, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but just being people forget you see all these giving pledges in these statements like one if somebody's even a giving pledge it can be a fat tax write-off like it's not like you know hey i'm gonna give four million dollars just like oh i have a, i make a lot of money and i pay four million dollars in taxes each year i'm gonna write this off and it's gonna be for a good cause i'm gonna post on social media i'm gonna get more fans and they're going to like me like it's all a way of working within that um I still say it's great to do it or still get money, you know, like just trying something different than just keeping it all to yourself. Um, but like, like Ruther said, I think it definitely comes from either, it's always most people's decisions comes off either greed or fear. And people that are in high places that might be a brand, they're, they're fearful of they'll lose brand deals or they're greedy because they want to make a certain amount of income so they can stay in this penthouse or this nice apartment. Like there's, there's something to where people tend to not give. Um, but I also am trying to like listen to other people's opinions that who are in those roles. So I don't know if you guys watch some of um, Dave Chappelle's, I believe called 8, 846. Bits yeah. and pieces for me. You, you watch a little bit? Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, I can speak a little about it. So basically Dave Chappelle went on, um, he basically kind of had, you know, he went through either a talk or, you know, it was comedy. Um, but he was saying how he was quiet because he wanted to hear the streets talk. He said, the world doesn't leave Dave Chappelle right now. The streets need to talk. And I'm wondering Luther kind of like, what did he think about what he said? 
Man, that's tough. Because I feel like at the end of the day, because people, I feel like people idolize celebrities too much. And they think that everything a celebrity says, yes, they're right. But I feel like he's like, no, let the people speak. You know, like, let me, let me, let me sit back. Let me sit back a little bit. And I'm gonna let y'all go out there and talk. Because that's what we need. Like, everybody is always looking up to somebody to be the spokesperson. Like, why, why is everybody okay with that? And I feel like that's where he was really coming from with that statement. But. Yeah. So even even kind of on that, to kind of sh- to shift gears, um, you know, you're one of my favorite artists, and I still personally feel like Kendrick's better, but we can get into that another day. Um, I want to speak a little bit about what happened with J. Cole. Um, so what happened, there was an artist, no name, and I don't know all the background on it, but I'll try to kind of run you guys through it. No Name basically put out a song calling out celebrities or specifically people of color to speak out about what goes on and to educate themselves. And J. Cole kind of made a diss track saying, you know, um, give me, get like, like, like not kind of like chill or just don't be so hard on me. And it created a lot of controversy. Specifically, of course, Black women were more just mad to see how how he responded. And then you had a lot of men who were trying to back up J. Cole. Now, I definitely have some thoughts, but I, it's something so new that I kind of want to hear your guys' opinion because I've gone back and forth on it because I see both sides, but I'm definitely wondering what you guys thought when you saw what was kind of transpiring or what was going on with J. Cole and No Name. Mariah? Reception for Omi. Okay. Honestly, I did see all of that. Um, like, like go crazy on Twitter and it was like trending, but that's when I actually hopped off because I was like, oh my God, I it was really, that. that's what hit me. I was like, okay, I need to take a break because now we have like black men and black women arguing. And this is like, I was having a conversation with my friend about it over lunch and we were just like, wow, like this is, this sucks. Like we're, we're battling all this, we're battling racism, like literally capitalism, all this stuff, everything's messed up and now we're arguing. Like we need to be united instead of divided. But I mean, I I wish I went to go listen to the songs. I'll probably will later, but I feel like I see both sides in a way. Like I see no names at least trying to like make those who aren't speaking up, speak up and calling them out. And I feel like if, you know, J. Cole, I, I'm not really a big fan, and I mean, I am a fan of No Name, but I don't really slap her consistently either, but J. Cole, what I have seen, he does touch on, like, you know, what's, in, like, what's going on in society a lot, and he actually, like, brings, you know, he's, a, he'll, he's seen out protesting, it's like, you know, he's not the only one, but he's out there, so I feel like if that's how he feels, maybe he shouldn't have, he should know what he's capable of and what he puts out for people and what he's advocating for. So if that's good enough for him, he, he shouldn't have maybe felt so like personalized by the song that No Name put out. But maybe he just felt like he had to say something. I don't know. That's my thoughts. For me, I don't know. Like it was just a lot going on. And like personally, I didn't really feed into it. And but I did like a few tweets, you know, because both sides really did have some very good points. But for me, I think I kind of just sat back and I was just like, like what Mariah said, like we really over here, like black men and women are, I feel like are always feuding on Twitter. And this was one of those moments. And I'm just like, why do we always do this? Like y'all can't stand in solidarity and at least try to at least lean into the other perspective, even if it's just a little bit to try to get some like mutual understanding. And a, a lot of people on Twitter do like that. 
But um, personally, I just feel like, you know, No Name could have, you know, been better with her delivery. But of course, she's going to talk the way she did because she's fucking angry. Like, who's not angry right now? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. everyone's mad and upset. So I don't, I, I don't feel bad that she, you know, delivered the way she and said what she said because it's like, I'm angry. This has been going on for too long and everyone's too silent. But at the same time, J. Cole has done his part. So yeah. I do understand both sides. Like, when I about no name being angry like I get it because it's like having always tell your own people or having to check them about checking others it's like we shouldn't have to be doing this and I shouldn't have to I feel like I mean I do not please don't take offense guys but I feel like as you know being like a black woman like and seeing a lot of men do it they really let a lot a lot of black men let stuff slide sometimes at least from what I've seen from my own friends and I'm like hey that's not right like I don't know how you're so comfortable with it and you know like you're full black like I'm I'm not even full black and I'm uncomfortable like you shouldn't let your friends do that because they're not going to fully respect you like they need to at the end of the day and that's just where I feel like it's like we need to really be checking everybody and be on the same page, but not against each other, too. Like, we can have our differences, but we need to move on and realize that we need to work together. Yeah. No, no I totally understand that. I think as far as Gay Cole, you know, and I, for, I firstly, when I honestly first saw it, I was like, are you serious? Like, really? Like, wh- like why now? Like, why we got, why we got debate now? And honestly, too, like, I do look up to a lot of people, but I think people forget that celebrities they're really good at one thing. They're really good at one thing, and that has brought themselves a lot of wealth, riches, fame, whatever, which is great for them and their families. Um, But uh, specifically in America, we try to put our celebrities as leaders in either politics or to whatever they should do, they should be leading this country. And I never necessarily agree with that because it's it's like, for instance, think of like, a rapper like Blueface, pop pop for a little bit, had some cool songs, had us going crazy in house parties. But I think we can all agree, Blueface isn't a great person as a role model. But he's yeah. great at one thing, and that one thing brings him money, which is fine with that. As far as J. Cole, J. Cole, if you can even listen to a lot of his songs in the past, J. Cole is always really trying to figure it out. Even if you listen to a lot of his interviews, He's, he never said I have all the answers. He's trying to figure it out, which we all are. Um, so I got that point, but I did understand where No Name from coming, was coming from, and specifically Black Womb, because it's not even, I, as, at least for me, it shouldn't just need to, I shouldn't just have to understand, I should take action. There's just a lot of Black men who do things that are just very misogynistic and don't care about Black women, they, they, they say they do, the way they say they tweet about things. It's like, I know you, I've heard you say stuff. Like, mind you, I'm a, I'm a young man who goes somewhere else college, and I, and I listen to what people say in these dorms. It's not the nicest things. Um, you know, and, and kind of just on that, it's just, I feel like there needs to be more action or just, or just more thought, because I do a lot of times, I feel like Black women kind of, at least from my perspective, Black women have the worst thing as far as they're at the bottom of the totem pole. It's, it's very tough for them. They deal with a lot of things. And yes, black men have, have struggles. We all agree, black people in general have struggles, but there's, there's another layer of, of being a black woman, specifically in America, that's tough to deal with. And I just wish more people would really at least understand that and take more action and not make this, you know, all black men thing. Like we saw the whole social media thing. We are black men. I saw, I was like, it's not, 
it's not, it's not about that. Like, I don't, I don't need to post a cool fly right. pick of myself and say, I'm a black man. Shout out all my brothers. Like, if I didn't tag you, like, I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, that's not, that's not the point. That's not where I'm trying to go. Like, this is about all of us. So. I feel like honestly I could say like yeah like it, it's hard and it really it does need to get better and I bet I know black women deep down they don't want to have this like resentment and like hate towards black men but I feel like when they keep getting bashed on by them like how can they not hold this anger like when that video came out with the girl like on Twitter them throwing her in the dumpster like that shit was it was just messed up it was ridiculous it, it was and it, up, like yeah. Like, that made me so furious. I was like, wow, like, this is the type of stuff that's going on. Like, you wouldn't do that to anyone else, would you? But just to piggyback off of that, I found out that she was trying to, like, flirt with the minor. And that's why, like, she got them into the dumpster, because she was, like, trying to advance him. And the guy behind the camera was typing it up at first. And that's why they kind of, everybody was like, no, you need to chill out and throw her in the dumpster. See, that part I didn't know. Yeah, so that kind of, because when I saw yeah. it first, I was really pissed off. But then after I heard I was like, damn, like, okay. But it, it, it still doesn't make it all right. I'm not trying to justify it, but I'm just saying, like, we definitely do need to be more gentle with our black women in general. And I feel like a lot of men lack that under that simple understanding. But, you know, I feel like I feel like we just need to hold each other more accountable, too, because I feel like a lot of people in the black community don't do that enough. We're not holding our men accountable. And we're also and also I'm not going to lie. Some black women are not holding their other, you know, women in their lives accountable either. Like, don't say yeah. and be complicit, you know, like, you got to go against the grain sometimes and just try to be, be the change you want to see. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, with both of you guys, you know, just another, it's kind of, it's really, I honestly haven't, I haven't spoke about it with anyone, honestly, since it happened. Um, seeing the killing of, I believe, Richard Books and um, Atlanta, Georgia, and seeing how everything transpired and how the videos looked. And I really was curious to see other people's opinions because when I saw the video, most of us first saw the first video, the one that wasn't the dash cam. And you thought like, what is this? This is terrible. And they see the dash cam video and everything at first is going fine. Like people are being cordial, nothing was going wrong. You're thinking like, what, like, what happened? And then in 10 seconds, everything blows up and he gets killed. And I just couldn't understand. I was like, how could something at first seem like everything was going fine turn so sideways quickly? And I was kind of wondering your guys' kind of first thoughts when you saw that. Because it's definitely a lot different than some of the other videos we have seen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just wondering, what do, you, what do you think either? What were your first thoughts? And kind of what do you think should have been done? I'm going to be real with y'all. I didn't even care to watch the video. I um. I actually ran into one video on Twitter and the dude was like cussing out the cops like y'all just killed that man y'all killed that man and after I read up what happened I just I just have no motivation to like or care to even look at the video because I'm just tired of seeing black people being murdered on things on tv and stuff and on me on the media in general but for me I think cops definitely need better training like why why do they only get a certain amount of hours my barber has had more training than any police officer in the state of California has because they're, it's not required. You have like this, like I, I just feel like there's a lot that needs to be fixed, but I'm gonna let Mariah speak her piece. Um, honestly, yeah, same with what Luther said though. I couldn't get myself to really watch like multiple clips or even the full video, but I did see one clip where he was literally just talking. Like you can clearly tell like, yeah, he's a little drunk, but he's not extremely drunk. He's like 
he's not too belligerent like you can still he can still say and speak for himself but it really bothered me that the clip I seen was him trying to defend himself so hard telling him like you know I just like I admitted that he's drunk he didn't want to drive drunk and the fact that his sister was only like a couple blocks away and they didn't like if this if it we know that's why it bothers me so much and I feel like completely unlawful because why would you okay I get it if you really wanted to arrest him for whatever being drunk intoxicated in public which I whatever drive before and obviously he had he might have had alcohol in his system and got himself to the parking lot wherever he came from drunk I don't even know if where he came from drunk and got to his car I don't know if he was even driving before that and just parked there but the fact that he's trying to avoid a negative situation and make it better like at that point just arrest him you don't have to escalate the situation and end up murdering him that's so that is beyond like you don't do that if this was someone else if it was a white man they would definitely let him walk up the street and go home they would definitely do that like i don't i don't understand it and even more so they might even let him drive off at that point because that's how bad, like, it wouldn't be the same outcome if he wasn't black. It wouldn't. And that's what bothers me. Like, they could have let him live, but they decided to kill him. So that's why I feel like all the protesting, the shutdown of the freeways in Atlanta, all of that is very valid. Because I would be extremely angry, too. Look at what we just dealt with. And now you're going to kill someone like that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> can, I, can I raise a question for both of you guys real quick? Yeah. Um, it just makes me wonder, like, because, you know, police, they obviously always have guns on them. How do you, do you guys think that they should still have guns from this point going forward? Or should they be stripped away of the guns? I think officers should be, I don't see why we can't try to take guns away. But then that's where we're in a really, like, just a, a shitty situation. And now we're stuck at, okay, we're in America. Everyone loves to bear arms here. How are we going to dismantle that, like? I mean, I mean, for a peace officer, like, you know, just a regular officer that's, you know, like cruising, doing it, whatever. I feel like if you're responding to a violent and a hostile situation, then yeah, be strapped, have your gun on you. But I feel like for a little, that was like a civil dispute. Like you could have, you, that could have been dealt with civilly. No gun needed to be pulled out ever. And I feel like that's where I'm just kind of like, that's why I asked the question. Cause I'm like, I feel like not every police officer in, Amer in America still needs a gun because they they obviously abuse that power that they have with that gun. Yeah, I think honestly, like Luther, that's a really tough question. Like I can't even answer fully. Um, and even kind of seeing seeing what happened, it's just when you say I'm trying to kind of I guess compartmentalize my thoughts as far as that because there are there's just things that are just very unfair in this country. Police overusing their power. I think talking to at least what happened in this case, and I really did. I looked at the video three times. Like, I was just like, I'm just going to look at this and really try to analyze what happened. I asked some questions. So one, he was, if you look at the video, he was drunk. Um, I learned that, do if you have your car, if you have your ignition key in, you can get arrested for a DUI. So I was like, yeah. okay, if you want to arrest him for a DUI, fine. If you want to be nice enough to at least be like, hey, because he said he couldn't drive. Like, you could have towed his car or took his car somewhere else and let him walk to his sister's house. Like, he, was, he wasn't that, that far away. But I think where the problem was is everything was going fine. And yes, he took the taser and ran. But think of it. He took a taser and he's running and he's drunk. How far is he going to get anyway? Where is he going to go? What is the reason to kill him? He doesn't have a gun on him. 
he's drunk, so he can't even probably w- run as far as as far as he wants to. So I just don't understand how that police officer, everything was going so fine, and then just to pull out your gun and start shooting him. Like, that was totally out of him not assessing the situation and thinking just not, just not in a smart manner, to be honest. And that's just kind of what really got me. Um, because you, everybody saw the whole video. Everybody saw it played out. And you could have just either let him go. If you want to, you don't have to, but call another cop car. Like, there's no reason for somebody to be killed if they're running away. They weren't well, exactly either. So, but uh, see, and I didn't know that he. So when he, he took the taser, did he take it from his belt or did he take it out of his hand? So I don't. I if you're looking at the video, I can't really tell like how everything ha- happened. But he did take a police officer's taser, and while he was running, I th- he would think he was pointing it this way, like he was running this way, and he kept pointing it. So let's say I'm running to my right. And I'm pointing the taser to my left, like kind of in the back of me. That's how he was doing it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a taser. Like a- no, exactly. And it's like, it's like, are these officers really like not uh, like equipped and trained to just take a dude down with your hands? Like you don't know how to grab him. You don't know how to miss a taser shot from a drunk man and just tackle him and handcuff him. You had to pull out your gun and shoot him. And, fa- yeah, and, hard. and the fact that he shot him and it was fatal, it's like... Like, like you guys don't know how to take a person down that's running from you. That's where it's like, there's no, there's no excuse. I've seen other people, I have seen white people with swords in their hands and officers like, put it down, put it down. And they have the gun in hand and they still haven't shot. Like, there's no excuse. Like, what? let him leave then. If you feel like you're in danger and he's running with the taser, it's a taser. Let him run, call for backup and chase them from far away. But I don't see why you have to fatally kill a person for that. No excuse. And then, That's why see, everyone's so outraged. Right. And then you see all these white people come on social media trying to just, justify it. And I'm, I'm just like, how do you justify that? Like, that's not something you can justify. And I, oh, it's just a lot of that that I see all the time after every one of these killings. It's always white people like, oh, and then you know how the um, officer got convicted for a felony murder? Mm-hmm. everybody under the under a threat on twitter was like wow that goes too far that's too dangerous but it's like that's what that's what it is <laughs> it's felony murder these no and that's why it's, it's bad because we've already talked about reforming the police we've already talked about retraining them and they've already had this before some departments have already been through this what, what is not clicking right. it's it's no like and you know that's why i don't I don't see how the other officers don't know how to retaliate and act differently within these tough situations. Like I get it when it's life or death, but most of these situations could aren't like they can go differently. And I can say that for sure because it's like I, my father's an officer. He doesn't come home telling me he fatally shoots people. He's never even fatally shot a person on duty. He's told me so many times he's had to fight people and he's rather fight. I think he's rather like to, he would rather fight them than kill somebody. Like really, and, you know, that's even more hard because you have to be with your hands. Like you have to be ready to grab somebody or get your ass beat. And my dad rather do that than pull a gun on someone. It's not necessary all the time. These clubs, these officers act like they're not, they're not trained and they don't know what to do. They go through these trainings. They go through them all, and it doesn't make any sense to me. So, with your, you, with your dad being an officer, you know, I'm just curious to wonder, like, what conversations do you guys tend to have? Have you been a little more feel for what's going on with all the protests right now and him kind of being in the middle of that? 
you know, what are conversations you have with your father about, you know, him being an officer and, you know, going out every day um, to, you know, hopefully protect people and, you know, keep our community safe? Yeah, no, well, my dad, I mean, since he's been on the force for over 30 years, like he's, he's, he's an older dude now. So, you know, he, he's not on the forefront. You're not going to catch him at protests. He's not going to be one of those guys. But, you know, with the, the everything, I, of course, me and him talk all the time about it. I always ask him questions. And every, I remember the first day I went out protesting, he was really, he was scared for me. And he was scared and he was really always calling me and asking where I'm at and telling me to come home because he knows what those officers are capable of. And that's the problem. The fact that he knows how aggressive that they can be and what they can do. And he doesn't want his own daughter out there protesting for the sake of, you know, myself, my other black brothers and sisters and my father, my black father, like that could have been him, you know, and that's what makes me go out there. But he, him telling me to come home, I was like, you know, why, why are you, why? But I get it because he knows he knows what they're about and he it's hard for him because he's you know he served in the military and then he became an officer because he wanted to get a better life he had nothing when he was younger so that's what he did just like a lot of other black men and women when they take this initiative into the force for whatever reasons but a majority of them they want to they want to make something out of themselves and they want to try to even better their own community because that's what my dad was about too you know he he tries to be proud but with everything going on he's not proud and he feels ashamed by everything he's sick and by it he's upset and he's ready to be done he wants to retire early, sooner than later and it's just hard it's really hard he's very upset by everything going on as him as a black man having to be in a force where there's not even already a lot of black officers it's mainly hispanic and white and a little bit of asian like there's not a lot of black officers anymore especially any that's around his age and if they are, sometimes they're kind of, my dad will say they're coon-like, like, and we're only going to say that because they really have that mentality. And he's like, wow, really? Like, that's pathetic. Like, my dad tells me all the time, at the end of the day, I'm always going to still be a black man. That's who I am. That's my identity, not what I chose to do as a profession. And he knows that. And we talk about that all the time. It's, it's just, it's hard seeing my dad very upset about this because I know he's struggling, you know? I know he is. It's, it's a struggle for sure. And I can't even really say I know what he's feeling because I don't unless I really know, put myself in his shoes and I won't really know until the future. So yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, but I, and I also worry about him. Like I always think about him going to work or if he's working over shit, like over time and he's stationed in like the east side usually of like so the city and you know it's rough sometimes it can get and if someone feels bold enough they can put him in that situation because he's an officer but what can he do you yeah. know oh, yeah. so you know kind of to, to shift gears a little bit you know we, we talked a little about it before celebrities and social media um but there have been different nba players who say they do not want to play because of what's going on right now and they don't want to take the action. They don't want to go back to playing, um, you know, in Orlando to take away from what's going on right now in America and being focused on that. Um, the two players that came out were Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard. And I've definitely gone back and forth about this. I think this is a conversation I'm really – and it ties back into celebrity because here's the thing. There, if people look at the NBA – 75% 75% black 29 majority owners or there's only one majority owner that's that's black 
and he was the best player ever in history, Michael Jordan. Already there, your ownership already is, is basically, is all the, all, a lot of the players are black and your ownership, there's only, there's only one person. So then you start thinking of, all right, how can we even, you know, try to be this up, make, make ownership, make more executives in the league. And even I thought of it, every NBA team is valued at more than a billion dollars. There's only five black billionaires in America. One already has a team. Even if you had the chance, you said, oh, we're selling this team to, to a black owner. There's, there's only four that have the option to take it. And then with that, with players, as far as not playing or not playing, I'm on the fence about it because one, if they don't play, they not just lose a lot of money, but the owners will be fine. But the players will lose a lot of money in salary and different incentives. And so where the money that they make, the money that LeBron makes, or Kyrie Irving or Dwight Howard, that money a lot of times goes back into their communities. We've seen LeBron make a school. We've seen Kevin Durant has done great stuff in Oakland. So I'm kind of wondering your guys' thoughts about what people have said as far as should NBA players play or not play to you know talk about their, their views on social justice. Personally, I feel like they shouldn't be playing because I feel like that's it's easy to form a distraction when sports come back. And I feel like we have so much momentum going right now with this mo- with this movement. If we bring back sports, that I feel like that's gonna that can easily be taken away, like that momentum that we have going right now. But um, you did bring up a good point though, because you know, like the owners, they're not going to be affected by this, but only the players are, which is a good point. But why why aren't the the owners? You, that just shows you they don't care. They're exploiting these players at the end of the day. So. And like that's just my own personal twist with the whole NBA and NFL, but that's just me. But yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like if that's how they feel, like the players alone, if they feel like you know they're being neglected as like who they, you know, for who they are, and they're not respected as they should be, I feel like they definitely should make a stand and and try to make a change within the NBA because they do make way too much money and it is a majority black players just like the NFL and we've seen how that all played off and that shouldn't be something that should make them fear feel fearful that they should feel like they need to take a stand because everyone knows that Kaepernick was done dirty and I still feel so bad for him like he deserves so much more and it's like like he felt that and and the fact that he had he could do, he did that compared to and he wasn't really supported by other NFL players because they didn't want to lose their title just like him man like it's hard but it really depends like how much do you respect yourself at the end of the day how much do you really want that respect and that dignity and that humanity for your own self that you deserve like I don't know I feel like the NBA should they should take a stand it's important it's 2020. Like we can't it's, live like this. It's a tough decision. I don't know if you guys know um, Sean King. Um, yeah. So Sean King, I was watching a podcast the other day. He was on All the Smoke a few months ago with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes, and Sean King was talking about how he talked to a lot of NFL players during that time of why they did not, you know, why they did not take a knee. And mm-hmm. he said a lot of the NFL players, um, one, they don't get paid that much. Like you see their salaries, they're nice, but they're definitely. The NFL is not a bunch of multi-millionaires. And he said he would talk to NFL players that said they want to take a knee, but they knew if they did, they would get cut and they either couldn't pay their mom's mortgage, they couldn't pay for their sister's college tuition. And the tough thing about, a sport, of course, being a black person in general is tough. Um, but when you're one, a black rich or a wealthy person or somebody who is the kind of the person who provides for the family, 
you have to do it all. Like, that's a normal thing in the NBA. If you get to the league, you have to pay for friends and family members, houses, cars, college tuition, healthcare bills. Like, it's a lot of, a lot of things to where it's so tough for me to tell an NBA player what they should do. There's guys like Kyrie Irving and LeBron, they're fine because they have major shoe deals that are hundreds of millions of dollars. But then you have players who make, what, two or three million? And then you have taxes, which covers that. And then you start getting down. It's like, how would you feel if it's like, hey, mom, like, I don't know if we can keep that house. Hey, my sister, like, I don't know who I can pay for college tuition. Um, so that's kind of like my thing. It's so tough. I don't know how some of these shoes are to what, the, what they should do. Because I do think we all agree. No matter what they do, they should take a stand. Like, I don't know if it's just more... I'm sure there's going to be t-shirts, more things on social media, but really try to take a stand. I think, and I don't know if you know the player Avery Bradley plays on the Lakers. He was saying what they should do is really talk to the NBA and ownership as new things they should do. So giving money to historically black colleges, giving money to black businesses and black communities to help uplift them. Having executive executives that on the board that are just more diverse um, to create that. Uh, because if they do sit out, everybody wants, there should be a plan in place to what they should do. Um, because the tough thing about being a player is you're still a player and they're owners that they'll lose a good amount of money for their team, but they're still billionaires. And a lot of players don't have that privilege. So it's a really tough balance. My only problem with that though, is like, you can talk to the ownership, but I think my fear that I have with the NBA and NFL, I just feel like it's, it's not genuine now. Like you guys, if, if you guys really felt and really felt this and cared about black lives and cared about people of color in general, things would have changed a long time ago because they have money to make change. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And I just feel like they just don't like, it's, just, it's like no matter what they do from this point forward, I can never look at them and be like, Oh, they're so genuine. Like the NFL, when they put out there, when they pushed out that statement, I was like, but look how y'all did Kaepernick. Yeah. No, like, just little things like that, I don't know. Like, maybe that's just me being a pessimist. I don't know, but that's how I feel about that. Yeah. I mean, no, I see that. I see how that – because that's how I feel now, too, with, like, all these big companies, like, giving donations or cutting slacks to our businesses. And it's like, okay, but what is that – you know, what? how much was that going to last for? What is that going to do? Like, how – like, when – where was this support before for, like, you know, minority communities? Because if we want to make it a big thing so it's not just centered and we make other people feel like, you know, this is – whatever. You already know that part, what I'm talking about. But <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, they just – they need to – like, I don't see wrong with them speaking up and saying, you know, we are a majority of, like, what – like, we make the NBA. We – we make the NFL, you guys can do more to give back to our community since we're giving up, since we're doing so much for this as a whole, you know, this business, like it doesn't make sense. But uh, I mean, money, like, like you were touching on um, Kendall about how they have so much to lose. It's sad that once we get all this success that it could be taken away from us like that because they still have this power over us with money. And that's the problem. Like it, there's so many issues within our system and it's like we have we want to start somewhere and we don't even know where to start and i'm not saying that we're a mess or everything's messed up but we have so many things to fix that we literally have to take one thing at a time i suppose until we get it done i feel like if more americans were more were less individualistic and more collective when it came to everybody in this country 
things would be a hell lot better in my opinion because it's just like other countries i feel like they're they're able to come together and fix things in a certain way like new zealand for example with the whole gun control issue just things like that i'm just like damn why can't america be more like that but you always have those people who are you know obviously care about greed more than anything else so yep, it's all about greed in america i really realized that like money makes america go round like no one cares about anything except money and you know economics everything just the value of stuff they don't care about anything else except that right. like because money equals power and everyone wants power in america and they want to keep their power yeah it definitely honestly because when i when i see people in higher power i see people doing that done great things or just you know have accumulated a certain amount of wealth i always think like what is kennel camp going to be like if he ever gets to that position mm. i always think about that and i and i know a couple of people who are in those positions and i sometimes wonder like if for instance if i have a if i'm a I'm, I'm a person of color i'm doing very well in my industry and i have and i have a lamborghini and i run a nonprofit. doesn't mean i'm a bad person i don't care about the community because i put two hundred thousand dollars to a lambo than not putting it towards more into like another thing that can help my community like i wonder when as far as is there a balance or how do you even go about that uh, that's, that's a good point. I feel like, but I feel like at the end of the day, you gotta, you still gotta do what you want to do for yourself in the same sense, but I, but just don't overdo it. Like, I feel like, I just feel like if, like, if I was like Jeff Bezos, for example, I'm not hoarding all that wealth. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to do that, but I might treat myself to, you know, a nice bins here and there, but I'm going to, for just for me personally, the morals that I have for myself, I wouldn't let this shit continue. I would definitely make that change. But I don't know. I just feel like greed is really what it really comes down to for a lot of these celebrities and people in power. Definitely. It literally, I was, I was listening to something the other day of how, uh, so all the NBA players, of course, they can't, they can't play in most gyms. And there's some like rich billionaire who has like a replica of the Lakers uh, facility. And a lot of players have been going to his place to play basketball. You know, it's going to be a great story for him at cocktail party saying, yeah, LeBron and KD playing at my house during quarantine. Like, that's a greed thing. That's kind of an ego thing. And a lot of people that I see that get to those positions, every, if you get to that position, you have to be competitive. A lot of people that get to those, they're very competitive. They're about themselves. They want two great things for the community and their family, but they're definitely, there's a competitive drive. And with competition, that can be good in some ways, but bad in others. And even that you're good yourself, you feel like your business needs to go to multiply by, multiply by 10 to bear to, I guess, clarify that you're doing well. So it's, it's definitely, it's just definitely a tough thing. I've definitely noticed that myself too. Like it's just cause like even, cause I, I have a friend who went to UCLA and just seeing how competitive they were just, just on that level, it just makes me like, it kind of scares me. I'm like, damn, like people are really going to be like this for the rest, you know, for the rest of our lives. If nothing changes, like this is just what, this is what it is. Extremely yeah. competitive. Yeah, no, like how you said, like Jeff Buzz was like, yeah, it's like we're not expecting. Like you could, yes, we do all know that you could end world hunger, but it's like no one's saying to just drop all that. Like you could, you can at least build like some type of donation fund. Like I don't, these people act like they can't just step in. Like, I don't see why they even wouldn't want to, but I guess just always when you get that power early on, you just build that greed. And that's the hard part because you have people like us who are like 
just regular, you know, middle class citizens trying to make a change, giving our last money to like organizations and whatnot and trying to put our all into it and it's hard. Yeah. No, it's definitely it's definitely a great question. It's something that I'm definitely gonna start asking more people that are in those positions as far as things that they deal with or things that they have given back because I do wonder like what are the daily things that you that that keep that questions come up. Um because even I seem like my dad now is trying to lead a district through like a whole pandemic and I hear him on calls. I'm like, yo, that's a tough decision of how you're going to put kids back to school or not, or how it's going to be like leadership is tough in general, but we, you do want people that are in positions of power to at least care about their communities. Um, but yeah, honestly, like, thank you guys so much for coming on this episode. Like it for real means a lot. Um, it's definitely, for people who have not known, um, I've been building out my other podcast platform like, for the past month, and that's been kind of stressful in front of do all that, not just during a pandemic, but towards what happened with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and my mental health being all over the place. So getting that done was priority, um, but I'm glad to be back, and it means a lot for you guys to come on and, you know, get this show rolling again. Gosh, you, bro, always. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Luther and Mariah, so much for coming on the podcast. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of Privileged Black Kids. If you like that episode of Privileged Black Kids, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Follow us on Instagram as well, at Privileged Black Kids Podcast. And follow our amazing guests on Instagram. You can follow Luther's Instagram at Gucci and Ryan's Instagram at RyaRaquel underscore. All of that information will be in the description below. Um, thank you guys so much for love and support. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Privileged Black Kids. <laughs>